Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan. Good morning. Hey, morning. All right. Uh, as usual, this episode of the Home Assistant Podcast is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Navicasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant business remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and the ESP Home projects. Configuration is done via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Right, Rohan, 2023.4, so April release is here. couple of things, first of all, um, before we get into the Home Assistant release, I do want to just quickly touch on the Android app update, so the 2023.3 Android yeah. app that came out. Um, so a couple of really big things here. Um, first of all, uh, multiple server support is now available on the Android app. So uh, apparently it's like one of the biggest uh feature requests that people have been asking for um so yeah uh i i'm interested are you still using multiple instances of home system in your no no i i technically i have a dev one that's like unplugged somewhere yeah um just on a raspberry pi just in case i want to i don't know play with something or, or do something like that i don't i think outside of the first time when i set it up being like hey i need a dev instance i think that's the last time i actually looked at it yeah. Uh, so, but uh, but this I do I do know of several people. Well, Phil, you were running like three instances at one point, weren't you? In your, yeah, in your old yeah. place, I don't know if you still are. Yeah. No, I um because you actually got me onto the the remote home assistant uh, custom add on that's in the hack store. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I was running yeah at one point three. I had segregated my integrations, you know, so that any integration yeah. that relied on the cloud went through one instance. So that because they, you know, when you're rebooting back in the old days of home assistant. Um, rebooting Home Assistant all the time for configuration changes. Any cloud-reliant integrations would make Home Assistant slow to load. Now that's not really an issue. Like, integrations don't really block Home Assistant from oh. starting. Um, so, yeah, I've gone back to one instance. Um, yeah, it's. I think I think Home Assistant's come such a long way in that sense. And and even with all the performance stuff, even even in this release, right, like, yep. um, that, that we'll talk about in a little bit, it, it is pretty significant how much... Uh, how much performance improvement uh, Home Assistant has had since, like, well, at least since I started using it, right? Mm. And and which is forever ago now. And yeah, it is. It has come a very, very, very long way. So, but yeah, this is going to be good for people that have, you know, maybe a parent's house or um, you've got like a holiday house, second home somewhere that you're running two instances of Home Assistant on. Now it's going to be easier to switch between um, those two. Uh, via Android. I'm hoping that'll come to Apple at some point as well. Um, but for the moment, it's in iOS, so you can it actually. Already uses it. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were actually talking about this, and and Frank was showing how in uh, iOS, if you three finger swipe up, you'll get the list, or you can just swipe through uh, with three fingers um, through like left or right to go through different servers. So it actually exists today. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, and the and I really shocked about this one so i actually i really did some google because i think i wasn't sure if this was like an april fool's joke or something um but the home Mrs. android companion app is now available for yeah. windows 11 via the amazon app store um which amazon really threw me i'm like this has got to be an april fool's joke but um yeah apparently uh it's there so 
Um, Windows does not always uh, provide the correct information about the app and it may shut down in the background. But yeah, apparently if you're running Windows 11 on a supported device, you can sideload somehow the Home Assistant uh, Android app and then expose your computer as a mobile device to Home Assistant that way. So I love it. There you go. Yeah, it's very, it sounds uh, a bit beta-ish, a bit buggy, you know, very on the edge at the moment. So I... um, if you're expecting something mission critical, maybe not just yet. Yeah. Um, any sensor with a location attached will also show up for navigation now using Android Auto, which is pretty cool. Um, so that means I can say like, hey, you know what? My, I don't know, let's say my wife is stuck on the road somewhere and her, and her phone already has Home Assistant, which it does. I can say, okay, let's yep. navigate me here. Not that I have Android Auto or an Android device, but that's that's still that's still pretty cool. But you, you the just, Android Auto integration, like the updates I've done to Android Auto is amazing. I, I yeah. love being able to just get home, tap, you know, lock, unlock the front door. And so that way I get out of the car, the door's unlocked. Don't have to get home. Which is I'm, super cool. Opinion. Yeah. 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 It's, or I, if I, I forgot to this... lock the house, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. While I'm on the road, just, lock it. Hey, or if you're going to have a actionable notification or something like that and say, hey, you forgot to lock it. Do you want to lock Ooh. it or anything? Or, can you do actionable? That's a good idea. I think you can. I don't know. So in Android, you can definitely um, have like notifications, depending on if the app supports, like Discord, uh, WebEx, Slack, they've all got um, Android Auto apps, right? And so Mm -hmm. when I get a message on WhatsApp or something, like I can see the message there as an action. I don't know if Home Assistant has that. I should test. I mean, yeah. I don't think it does, to be honest. You can, you can generally have it on. Yeah, because you can do it on Android, like standard Android. But yeah, yeah, definitely. You can do it as an Android. I don't know if there's actual notifications. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I'll have to. I haven't played around with uh, the new Android Auto UI enough to fully understand it yet. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's. I, I saw. I was watching. I forget. I forget whose video it, it was that I was watching. But I was watching a uh, video. I think last night or the night before, and I was. I was seeing. Uh, I was an Android phone. Whatever. Again, I. I. I've got an iOS device, right? I've got an iPhone, and. Uh, Somebody had basically pinned their garage door open close on their like and as part of like their like top bar widgets thing uh, outside of Home Assistant, and I was like, oh, that's nice because for me, like you can you can do that mm. in in iOS, but you have to build it as a widget, and then which then has to like there's a whole like process. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather just this is where have the Rosemary comes out with a whole podcast episode on how to do it and and all that. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, I mean, hey, listen, if someone's got a great, easy way of doing it, send it because I I, cause I, I know I can build a widget and, and I actually went down that route. I got to the point of naming it and then I was like, oh, that's too much effort. I'm not doing this. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just use Siri and say open the garage door or, or whatever, right? So, yeah, which is, which is what right. I do today now. So, um, so now if you're using uh, Android Wear, the uh, Assist which is in part of uh, Home Assistant's Year of the Voice, um, is only a tap away via a watch face complication. So you can actually put a little, similar to what you are just discussing, Rahan, put a little widget on yeah. your uh, Android Wear device, uh, tap that button, and it will launch a voice prompt. So then you can start talking to your Home Assistant assist in your home. There you go. Or assistance. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Year of the Voice, Chapter 2 is coming uh so april 27th um the team the the home assistant team will be hosting a live stream on the home assistant youtube channel 
Um, check it out. It's going to be talking about, you know, some of the stuff where, so a while ago we had chapter one, which basically said, Hey, you know, we're introducing things like native home, uh, native voice integration into home assistant, things like that. Um, chapter two is essentially as the name would suggest, taking that a next step uh, a little bit further and, and seeing, uh, you know, where, where you can go. So I'm pretty stoked to see that. Um, I have you, have you used any of the voice functions, Phil, in home assistant? Not the not the voice. I've played around with the assistant, like the text-based chat assistant. Um, things like I, I've thought about trying to integrate, you know, OpenAI which, or ChatGPT into it. But at the moment, I'm, yeah, it's simplicity it's, it's for me. It's not going right? to do a whole it's still, lot. It's, it's not no. doing a lot for you. It's, it's, it's uh, simplicity. And it's the you-know-who is right there in all my rooms, right? I just yell out to her to do something yeah. and there she is. Well, I mean, the other thing too is even when you do integrate like ChatGPT or, or something like that, it's because uh, that, that that is there, right? You can actually yeah. do that today, but it's not going to let you control your house stuff. You can be like, hey, what's the best cookie recipe, right? Like it, it'll help you in that sense, right? Uh, I'm not saying that there's no value in that. There there might be some value in that, but it's just, it's not going to be like, hey, turn on my lights and lights are going to go on, right? It's It's... That's just not the model model that um, that that's built yet for this. Mm-hmm. Maybe down the road, who knows? Be like, hey, I'm coming home, and based on a whole bunch of different metrics, it can say, okay, the weather is this, the temperature outside is this, and you know, whatever, the grass is green, and, and whatever. Based on that, it can make decisions to say turn on and off certain things, how you like it, kind of thing. Um, that's not there today. Even for, for me, I, I like I love the initiative of the voice, and I think they, the Home Assistant team and Nebuchadnezzar team, which um, touched on this in their latest um, Building the Open Home newsletter. A lot of companies, yeah. you know, like Google, Amazon, are now saying, "Well, hang on, running all these voice assistants is expensive, and they don't make as much money. Like, yeah. what? That's... How do we? How do we monetize these things? Right? Um, and we have discussed many uh, a product test, you know becoming paperweights overnight right Mm -hmm. um so you know for that reason i do uh, i'm excited for the voice like for there to be another player right and especially a local player i think that's we need that in the smart home space what i'm really excited for from the home assistant perspective though is the brains that are needed for the voice assistants so for example like the text stuff right um and now with integrations like OpenAI, chat gpt having the ability to query the smart home, which there are some things already in there, like how many lights are on, you know, what areas are currently mm-hmm. occupied, right? Being able to take that to the next level with a, like a chat GPT assistant, you know, can I then ask my home assistant instance, you know, what's my average electricity spend per day for the dishwasher? Or yeah. um, like, you know, and taking it to that level or how much did I, uh, how, mu- how many hours was this light on last month? you know, um, and being able to query my home in a natural language way. So then I can say, okay, well, actually my washing machine cost me this much. Maybe I can try and work on getting that down. Um, yeah. Or, or even, even again, what I would, uh, again, this, I think we're getting so far away from what we're supposed to be talking about. (laughs) But, But to me, what would be cool is again, if you do have like, again, like the energy integrations and you have your cost of energy and stuff like that in there, um, instead of me having to go in, because again, I know a lot of people do this today where they're like, Hey, you know what? Uh, right now is actually my cheapest hour for, mm. for running whatever I want to do is turn on everything, run everything, turn on the dishwasher, turn on the washing machine, the dryer, whatever. Right. Like yeah, absolutely. instead of that, I'd love to see where that automation gets built automatically. Right. 
where I don't have to go in. So for example, like our provider, uh, my energy provider will change the prices. I think they do it every season, something like that, right? Or they'll update their prices, whatever. Um, and based on that, like I would love for it to be able to go in and just deal with that, right? Okay. Um, you you go figure out the prices based on that. You say, okay, you know what? I'm actually going to turn on the lights a little later today because it's, it's, you know, based on the time of day, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, where the sun is based on, and, and again, some of this we can do today, but it's still a manual process where I have to go in and put that logic in, right? Um, I'm just at the point where I just don't care to do that right now. <laughs> it's, I care to do it. I care to do it. I, I do want it, but I just, I just don't. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, not a lot of thinking, but it's a lot of logic mapping and being like, okay, mm. this has to work this way. This has to work this way, which in fairness, I do like doing, but I just, I'd, I'd rather just, you know. Sometimes you just work, want right, to right. clap twice. It, <laughs> it sounds like you're asking for uh, like Amazon hunches, like the Amazon Echo hunches. Uh, but mm-hmm. and, and the net version two of that locally in Home Assistant, essentially, where Amazon Echo can say, all right, generally, you know, you always turn the light off at this time. So I can do that for you automatically and build out automations that way. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, hey, you know, we've detected that, you know, you're doorbell had you know based on facial recognition hey this is your friend phil that's come over um and you know okay phil actually likes uh he's you every time he comes over he actually stays over so we're just going to assume you know when you say good night turn off his lights and stuff like that right in the guest bedroom and stuff like that so that kind of stuff is super cool because right now it's like hey turn on guest mode because i I have a lot of that stuff today Mm. right but i have to say hey what's your face go turn on guest mode Right. And then, and then, and then all of that stuff will kick off. Right. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, I I get excited when, when we think about this kind of stuff, but I also know that's not really near term always. Right. So, no, I don't think so. But the other question is how much, like, what does that mean from a device perspective? Right. Like, is that something where now I'm going to need a TPU hooked up to my, you know, not that I have it today, but my home assistant Mm. yellow or something like that. Right. So, uh, or, or, or just to my system, whatever I'm running it on, right? Because if I'm running it on a little Raspberry Pi, that that's nowhere even close to being able to do that, right? Unless I have something like a Google Coral plugged into it that can do um, some of those pieces, right? Um, machine learning pieces and stuff. But I think that's, uh, that's where we want to head to. Um, a little bit of a deviation from uh, the year of the voice chaps too. Check it out. Uh, April, what was it, 27th? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> just a little uh, but that's uh, Phil and Rahan's musings of where we want the smart home to be. Um, but before before you move on, I, I do I do mm-hmm. just again entirely personally, I am curious as to what others think about this kind of stuff too. So um, if you're on YouTube, put it on the comments um, or just yep. email us feedback at haspodcast.io. Again, this is just something I personally am interested in, so I'd love to know um, your thoughts on it too. Absolutely. Or am I just going right. way down the wrong path and being too creepy? Well, we'll see how many people respond to you. Yeah. all right hey everyone i just wanted to take a minute to talk about the eufy video lock it's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling it's got a keyless entry so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full also you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch your kids losing them or people copying the key and passing it around to each other something else i like about the eufy video lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well Personally, I think the Eufy video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. 
My favorite part about it though, is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored. So you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Supervisor security vulnerability. All right, so this is probably a serious one now. Um, so yeah. there was a uh, security vulnerability announced uh, this month or last month, mid-March 2023. Um so it affected the Home Assistant uh, Blue and Home Assistant Yellow. It's anything using the supervisor, essentially, which is uh, another service that uh, runs or makes sure that uh, Home Assistant OS and all the, the hardware is man- uh, running properly. Um, so it doesn't affect if you're using the Docker container or if you have got uh, Home Assistant installed manually another way, you're fine there. Um, but it so the issue allowed an attacker to remotely bypass the authentication and interact directly with the supervisor API. Uh, so this gave the attacker access to install home assistant updates and manage add-ons and backups. So essentially someone could, if they wanted to delete all your backups or install a nasty add-on if one existed. Um, at uh, So you, there is an update released. Um, so make sure you're running at least the supervisor version 2023.031. Um, you can go uh, into the Home Assistant About page in your uh, instance and just verify that you're running that version. If you can't upgrade for any reason, uh, you know, maybe you're stuck on an older version for a legacy integration, uh, it's advised that you disable remote access uh, for the time being, just in case. At the moment, they're not sure if anyone, if this has been exploited, it's, they were just made aware of it and uh, uh, getting it out there that, you know, there was a vulnerability, they've patched it. Um, yeah. So yeah, takes yeah, time. and 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 this affects every previous version of Supervisor since its introduction, right? So uh, yeah. even if you're running on some really, really, really old version, and you think, hey, maybe I'm my my version is too old to be affected by this, uh, that's not the case. You're affected if you if you're running a supervised version of Home Assistant. Yeah, and bloody Mark what from Mark what Tech got me good on April Fools with a a tweet saying that's why he was leaving Home Assistant. Um, I had a Heart attack for a minute. I was like, you're kidding me. This guy's leaving home assistant. No way. Um, so thanks, oh, Mark, for that. Yeah, that's right. All right, 2023 right. or Take it away, Ron. Go for it. Yeah. Um, there's actually a lot of stuff uh, that came in from a feature perspective, and a lot of it is actually UI-based. Um, and for me, it couldn't be more timely, which, again, this entire podcast is about me, so I'm going to talk about that. No, okay. <laughs> it's... it's uh, there's a lot of cool uh, new dialogues that have come in. So, for example, the alarm control panel covers and fans all get new dialogues. So for the last little bit, they've been updating slowly the dialogues. Because, again, mm. if, even since Lovelace was released, they didn't really do any updates to the UI. It was just kind of how the UI was structured kind of changed, but not the uh, not the actual dialogues and stuff like that. So, like, when you click into it, uh, like, if I click into a sensor what pops up, right? So it's that same old kind of, uh, just again, it's a dated interface, right? So what they're doing is they're going through updating a lot of those kind of pieces. Um, the one I'm really excited for, and I, and I talked about this a little bit last time, I think in the last release episode, we should have been 2023.2 or .3. Right. Uh, yeah. 
I talked about, I think I talked about, it. I want to hit, I'm, I'm getting some SwitchBot uh, tilts. So again, the little motors for uh, adjusting shades and stuff like that, right? So I've got, uh, I've got blinds next to me uh, on the left of me here. And, you know, it couldn't be more timely that they updated that UI and it's actually really slick because before it was kind of just like, you look at it and it's just covers, right? So it's like, go up, go down. But now if it's a tilt based, uh, if it's a tilt based uh, value, right? So in, in my case, I'm not opening and closing the curtains. I'm tilting it open or shut. Nice. Um, so it, it, even the UI actually follows through with that. And it is actually really neat. Um, again, something I just got really excited for. The alarm control panel was a lot nicer too. Um, so basically you've got a little strip and it says like, okay, like, what do you want? Do you want to arm, disarm, home, away, whatever it is. So you click on a mode and then a button pops up. Before it was kind of clanky with like just the way the numbers pop up and stuff like that. Um, I just think it's a lot nicer of an interface. Um, so I was I was actually very excited for that. Um, not that I even use the alarm card, but I just thought it was cool. So I was excited for the people that do use it. Um, yeah, the alarm control, I must admit, I saw that. I'm like, because I heavily use the alarm control panel just yeah. through home. Like I don't have an actual physical alarm panel. Like home is yeah. my alarm control panel um, or a tablet or something yeah yeah well just even just so home is like oh um if it's armed away then no one's home right like it's just a, an easy way to set presence for the house um but yeah having the ability to um have that in lovelace um i mean i haven't upgraded the card yet but i'm interested to see how it's going to handle like pin codes um yeah. and all that as well so yeah really yeah the, the demo i saw looked really nice um and and it looks like you know it works really well yeah, that's uh, good. And then, and then extending onto that, like with fans and stuff like that. Um, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll I'll do the next one too because it's kind of kind of related. Please. In in the tile card, um, when you when you update your your tile card too, it's it's kind of similar to like the mushroom cards where you can actually set the or see and set the status of of like a fan or something like that in uh, in the card itself, right? So. It is actually really nice in in terms of how they uh, how they integrated it and and what it looks like. It is just I, again, I think that this is a huge improvement. So in the in the little tile itself, you can actually like for a fan, for example, you can get like one, two, three, four. So you can just tap on the little like or like off and like level one, two, three or whatever it is, right? Uh, you can tap on that and it'll automatically adjust it. Or if you have a percentage, you'll just get the, on your tile itself, you'll get the slider. So you can just set, Hey, I want to set it to 30%, right? Uh, fan speed, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it, it's actually very, very nicely done. Um, if there's four speeds or less, it'll show you buttons. Um, otherwise it'll show you a slider respectively for this, uh, for the fans. And then, and I think the different things may have different, uh, quirks like that, which is, uh, I call it a quirk, but it's actually kind of nice. Nice. Thought it. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the mushroom cards, and I love seeing like these are coming into part of the core cards now. So, yeah, yeah, some great little updates there. All right. Um, it's actually good that we did this way because uh, I'm really excited about the next couple of ones. So I'm going to talk about these. Um, so big shout-out to David Pohl, um, who's done some awesome work in templates this release. So the first one he's introduced is template macros. So if you are a heavy Jinja template creator, um, you'll know that if you need to do a standard Jinja template uh, across you know, multiple sensors, you would have to have uh, copy and paste Jinja code everywhere. There is now the ability to uh, create a macro that can be used globally. 
in Home Assistant, um, and that resides in the uh, custom templates folder. Uh, so, yeah, you can then call those macros. So you can create a, a function that can check the status of something um, if you need to um, and return, you know, uh, in a certain way. There's a whole bunch of use cases uh, that you can do this for. I think it's very powerful. Um, so, for example, you may have, I have, uh, back in the old days, I had my you know, Java's good morning, uh, you know, yeah. spiel that would, would come out. Um, I can now, you have that uh, not as text on my Lovelace dashboard and also spat out to my, you know, speakers as I walk into a room um, based on a, a global macro, right? Previously, yeah. I'd have to copy and paste and make sure everything, you know, aligned and, would just be messy. But or or sort of... on the other hand, if you made one change, you have to make sure you remember to exactly. make that change everywhere, yeah. right? Yep. So, um, yeah. And that goes, same with, you know, like, uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff um, that you could do that with. So really excited to see what other people come up with. I'm hoping maybe there'll be a, like a, a forum topic somewhere where people can share some cool template macros that they've created as well. Mm. Um, this goes, this will be a good opportunity for people to share around what they're doing with templates um, and how they can, yeah, sharing is caring, right? So yeah, if you've got some cool template stuff you want to share around, please That's post it. it around and put it as a macro out for everyone. Um, so on that, uh, so there's been some more templating love as well. Relative time and today app will now update once per minute. Previously, I think they're only updated based on when, the sensor, underlying sensor updated, so that's good. Um, there's also a new is hidden entity function, uh, which is also added by David, uh, which can tell if an entity has been marked as hidden in the UI. So that way, if you want to, for example, have a list of devices on your Lovelace uh, show up, and then if uh, have it configurable by a user, if they go in and hide that, uh, it won't be shown in that macro. Uh, there's also a new areas function, which returns a list of all the areas you have. Previously, that wasn't available uh, in your templates. And finally, if you want to check if an entity has a value, so it's not in unavailable or unknown state, there is a new has value function. There you go, some cool updates. Uh, so there, there's actually one more thing that I thought was awesome, which is if you have like four loops and stuff like that, you can actually break, uh, break and continue loops in the templates too, right? So... Uh, which I thought was great. So just like in Python, whatever, it can make your scripts a little more efficient mm. if if you have that, right? Which is nice. Um, That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, there's a ton of database optimizations in this. Um, like, again, the, the gist of it is it's faster, um, smaller, like they're doing a lot of deduplication and stuff like that, a lot more deduplication and stuff like that. Um, so you have smaller database size, improved IO optimizations, quicker startup, Better response times, like it's just all of that stuff. Again, if you want, it, if you want the details, it's in it's in the release notes. But uh, uh, it, but it, it was actually interesting because when we were talking about this in the in the creators call, I was chatting with uh, Paulus and Frank and and the rest of the creators on there. And one of the things that I asked was, I'm like, okay, so and and they, like they were talking about how good SQLite's gotten with uh, with with uh, lately with these releases and stuff, right? Because again, before the problem was, especially if you're running it off of a SD card, things like that, mm -hmm. you had like SD cards wearing out and stuff like that. Between the changes that have been made in the last, let's call it year. Um, and then in terms of like, hey, how do we slow down, not slow down rights, but how do we do less rights and stuff like that um, between the deduplication, between all of that stuff. Uh, they were actually saying, like uh, Paulus was actually saying, I think it was, that was like, Hey, you know what? It, like, let's. He would actually 
prefer SQLite over using like a MariaDB or stuff like that, just to the point really? they've gotten to the to the optimizations and stuff, right? Um, so and 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 they're saying even size wise, like it, it's probably around like. 40% smaller because of a lot of the dedupe stuff they do and, and a lot of the other techniques and they don't store everything in there anymore either. Right. So uh, before you'd store like everything, including like, Hey, what's the weather today? What's the weather? Blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's stuff you can reference after you don't need that in your uh, recorder in your, in your, in your yeah. SQL. So you can actually go through and uh, they don't need to keep that or like sun positions for the last month. Like, if you care, fine. You can, you can find yeah. a way to find a way to pull it out, but you don't necessarily for the for let's call it ninety nine percent of the people probably don't need to retain that, right? So, so that kind of stuff they've kind of moved away from, um, yeah. And 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 so it's just a lot less writes and a lot less things to write. So your size goes down, your wear goes down, all that kind of stuff. So I, I actually think it's really really cool. Uh, so, because right now I'm actually running it on MySQL um, on a separate uh, VM. So maybe I'll actually look at bringing it back to uh, to uh, SQLite. That's good. Lot, but yeah. that, that's right now there's no good I... way of migrating the data. So I'll probably, I don't really mm. do a whole lot of my historical data. <laughs> anyway, so I'll probably just kill it and and move it over. So. It's interesting because I was looking at going the other way because I when I started this current instance I'm running of Home Assistant, I just didn't bother installing looking up to like MariaDB or anything, I just left it uh, as default. I was like, oh, I'll get to it later, right? But yeah. maybe I won't even bother with that anymore. I'll just leave it as it is. That's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Spotify now supports podcasts. So you can, uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can copy the link uh, to our podcast from the Spotify app and paste that as the media source in Home Assistant and it will now play on your favorite Spotify player. So that's good. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, make sure to like and subscribe on Spotify and on YouTube and on all the other channels. <laughs> um, ESB Home uh, now supports pairing Bluetooth devices, which is uh, nice because I, I feel like this is one of those things where it's just going to have a cascading effect of like, okay, now that you can pair Bluetooth devices, here's all the stuff we can do, right? So it's... Uh, yeah. That'll be cool. Uh, attributes of the sun entity are now available as sensors. So now you don't need to use templates to automate based on elevations or azimuth or any of that crazy stuff. Not sure how I feel about this one. Uh, I do heavily use, you know, the attributes of the sun, but I've been able to use templates for them. I don't know. Do I want another sensor for them? Do I need another sensor? From the UI automation builder, it probably makes sense. Um, that there will be I think, I think for the automation builder, especially it makes sense, right? Because yeah. it, it's, I'll, I'll be honest, it, it is a bit of a pain today if you have to pull the attributes out. Because uh, again, to me, that's a little more advanced, yeah. right? Like if, if I have to think about it, it's more advanced than I want to do it, right? So uh, no, absolutely. I, I, I like the direction. I actually prefer that they do that, They that that they go through, um, what's it called that, that, that it's a sensor over a attribute. Cause if I don't care about it, like maybe there, it creates, I don't know how many sensors it creates, but maybe it creates eight sensors out of those eight. Yeah. I want two. Great. I'll just disable the other six. Right. That's like, the point. Yeah. Just disable them. So not a, not a huge deal. I, I think it just makes it easier to, to pull. So, um, yeah, just having had to build, uh, automations for a bunch of stuff based on attributes. I hated it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is also now why I look at Node Red too, but but it, but it's no different, right? Because it's still it's still as part of the entity there. So it's uh, 
So there are now energy and volume storage device classes. So for example, um, you can now start to do things like differentiate between how much energy have I consumed or how much um, energy is left in a battery, right? So that those are, those are two different types of talking about energy. So uh, that's kind of cool. Nice. Um, integrations. So there are a couple of new integrations in Home Assistant. We're not going to really touch on them in this episode, though. They are sort of uh, branded uh, integrations, you know, uh, this integration is now available via this uh, existing integration, you know, just, you know, white label uh, devices that are out there. So there's a few, um, I think there's a couple of fireplaces that have been added um, as well. So go check them out. But there's no, there's no real brand new spanking you know, integration that I've been able to see in the release notes for this one, which then brings us to our breaking changes. Um, so, of course, there is the standard Z-Wave JS version bump. There's a slight Schema schemes, schema change. So make sure you yep. update that one. And open AI conversation. Uh, your model has been updated to use the ChatGPT version 3.5, uh, which is cheaper and the latest, uh, the a newer version as well. So if you were using an older version, it's automatically been upgraded as your use of that API. Yeah. Um, logbook. So it'll be when you. Uh... When you're going through all of this, the logbook will be unavailable until the data schema migration finishes. Um, so the script and automation traces from the previous runs of Home Assistant will be unavailable until all the background data and stuff uh, is migrated over properly uh, once the schema is migrated over. So you might see this take a little bit longer potentially, but I don't think it should be too bad. I don't think we mentioned the favorite thing about the update to the logbook, I think, in this release is the ability now that when you rename an entity, its history is maintained. Like that always frustrated me. Yeah. Like I would rename an entity in Home Assistant and all of a sudden it was like it was a brand new device, got no history. Now that yeah. remains. So, yeah, yeah, love it. Uh, finally, the calendar uh, integration. The calendar create event service now enforces that a start and end date are exclusive. Uh, so this has always been part of the specification, but was not clearly documented and enforced. So, uh, yeah, I'm guessing you can't have the start and end date exactly the same when you're creating an event through that uh, create event service. I think, I think that's it. 2023.4, that another great release. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to uh, the next release. Hopefully there's going to be some more. I think I mentioned in the last, like, I want more of those dialogues and they delivered. Um, I wasn't expecting so many to be delivered, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the last episode, the last release was literally called Dialogues. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But Otherwise, I think cool. that's it. Another right. race done. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.